come forward. You may be seated. please stand again. We're going to go ahead and we're going to sing uh, You Are My King, Amazing Love. And uh, we'll still draw me close. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm
Turn me on, please. There was a, this next song I asked uh, my buddy Mark to sing. I thought it was a very uh, fitting song for the start of the new year.
Amen. Now I get to come up here, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. That was a beautiful song. Y'all did a wonderful job. And let me tell you, no pastor in the world is as fortunate, as blessed as I am to have such a musical accompaniment as Mark, Robert, and Glenn. And when we have our choir up here, they just bless us every Sunday. Thank y'all so much for that. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke? Gospel of Luke. So I want to uh, wish each and every one of you a very happy and prosperous and wonderful new year. And I want to welcome you into Robertson Avenue. If you're visiting with us, like I said once before, uh, I want to personally welcome you this morning and thank God for you being here. I'm praying for you to come this morning and feel like you're an answer for prayer. All right. Uh, you know, uh, we had some seriously cold days the other day. How many of y'all were rejoicing on New Year's Eve? We got that snow in there. Some of y'all, hey man, hallelujah, that was something. We don't see that in Texas very often, do we? Those of us that were Texans, we were like, go back where you came from. We didn't want that snow up in here. It was too cold, right? So we're not used to that. But at the same time, my my children just went hog wild crazy when that snow came in. It lasted all about seven minutes. <laughs> But they loved every minute of it, and thank God for it. We don't get to see that very often. And so it was beautiful, the nice, big, fluffy flakes. And so somebody called me and said, Pastor, did hell freeze over? I said, yes, it did, because the Cowboys won two or three in a row. <laughs> so, you know, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, hopefully you're with me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Let's start out uh, quickly with a word of prayer, and after we pray, let's read God's Word together. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' holy and righteous name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. And as we have gathered together in your holy and righteous name, Lord, I just pray you'd honor your word, Lord. We know that you will, Lord, for you said, where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are amongst us, Lord. So I just pray your spirit will be felt, Lord, and you have your way in our hearts and our lives today. Speak to us and teach us as we open up your word. Open our hearts to hear from you, that if there be anyone that needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior, anyone, Father God, that needs to get their heart right with you, or anyone, Father, that needs to become a part of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Would you let this morning be the morning? We give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Start with me in verse 51. The Bible says, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Let's go on to verse 54. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. The calendar has flipped once again. We're in the year 2021. Can you believe that? How many of you would have thought that? Remember when the year 2000 came around and we thought all the computers were going to die? Do you remember that? <laughs> we thought it was going to like reset themselves and go back to the year zero, zero. And we thought there was going to be all kinds of problems. And uh, I remember that. Do you remember uh, earlier this year we had the toilet paper pandemic? Do you all remember that? What goes through people's minds? You know, just get crazy like that. What does toilet paper have to do with coronavirus? You know? But... They bugged all up, and some of us ran out and bought some. And let me tell you what, God blessed me. I'm going to give you a personal testimony here. So uh, I come home from work that afternoon and see my neighbor across the street struggling to change a tire. So I went over there and, and changed the tire for him. 
and he tried to pay me. And I said, oh, no, thank you. God bless you. Glad I was able to help. And I woke up in the morning, and there was a large box of marathon, you know, the kind you get at the gas station, a big old, of, of like five rolls of those toilet paper in there. And so to this day, I've got a garage full of toilet paper. I don't know what to do now. But if we ever had that pandemic again, I am covered. Amen? Got that right there. So, but the calendar has flipped once again, and we have another year before us. And resolutions are a part of every New Year. Some of you have already made some New Year's resolutions. Uh, you know, I make one just about every year, and usually the one I make, uh, and like most of us, is to get on a diet and, and do things right. Uh, but some of the other ones that we make are, you know, I'm going to spend more time with my family, or I'm going to spend more time with God, or I'm going to be in the church more and more often. We make those New Year's resolutions. In fact, they're a part of every New Year. And generally speaking, most of us let those resolutions die, don't we? We let them fall away and become part of the last year. But one year, uh, I was preaching a revival in Michigan. Uh, Northfield Hills Baptist Church it was, and Pastor Stephen there, a wonderful friend of mine, a wonderful man of God, and I love him to this day, and I haven't been in contact with him in many years. I'd love to reach out to him. But uh, I went there to preach their revival, and they took me to the uh, Mall of America. If you've ever been there before, it's a really large mall. I don't know if that's the Mall of America or not, but anyway, it's some some large Mall of America, and you can just get lost in there for hours and hours and hours on end. And really, the hardest part was finding your car after you were leaving. I'm not kidding you. It was, it was that bad. And, but inside there, I came across something that I had never seen before. And it just excited me. I mean, it tickled me pink. And uh, what it was, was inside that mall, they had drugstores and small grocery stores and things inside this mall. And so we went inside this small, uh, like, foods of the world grocery store. And I found something that I have never seen again. Some of you may have seen it, but it was sliced peanut butter. That's right. I heard a what? I said, yeah, sliced peanut it was, it was packaged like sliced cheese, you know. And so you just unfold it and put it on your sandwich, uh, you know. I really would have been happy if they had sliced jelly like that. Amen. <laughs> but they had sliced peanut butter. And I remember preaching the sermon uh, because of that. And it was like, it's better than sliced peanut butter. And people would just look at me like, you're just crazy, God. But that was one time that I, I did. And, and that was during the New Year's time. And I had a blast with that. had a lot of fun with that. And we ended up having some New Year's resolutions out of that. So let's look to see what the Bible can teach us about our resolution this year. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus set his face in resolution. If you'll go back to the scripture, it says he set his face to go to Jerusalem. If you understand the Greek up in there, he was set and determined to go. Most of us need to learn something from that. And I'm no exception. We all need to learn a little bit from Jesus here. To completely understand what's happening here, we need to go back to the beginning. Now, I'm going to give you something out of my heart and out of my mind. It's not on the slide this morning. So I want you to just bear with me for a minute. If you look at that Greek word, the set. Set and determine his face to go. We get the idea that it's set in stone. That's literally where that word is coming from. It's set in stone, almost like when you pour concrete and you let it set and get hard like that. And so because of that Greek word, having that in there, uh, we have been able to go back to the beginning find something that goes along with that. We get this idea of Jesus that set his face like stone, if you will, like concrete, if you will. The title of this morning's message is Fox. It's Fox. 
So with that in mind, buckle up your seatbelts. We're going to have a good ride this morning. The Bible says he set his face. Let's go back in the beginning. So keep your fingers there in the Gospel of Luke and turn with me to the prophet Isaiah. And let's look at chapter 50. We'll read verse 7. The Bible says, For the Lord God will help me. This is a messianic prophecy here, meaning this is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. The Lord God will help me. Therefore will I not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. What happens, church, when you strike flint? Now, for your parents said, Jeff, you're in a good spot. This is a Baptist church. We know what happens that. In fact, I once went to an active shooter class in Lampasas, and they kept giving statistics of what happens when active shooters come into churches. They said, well, all of that's null and void when they come into Baptist churches. And I did. They said, because Baptist people tend to shoot back. I'm not kidding you. We know what happens when you strike flint. You get sparks. And you know, some of us need to get a little bit sparky in our Christianity. We need to set our faces. We need to set our hearts. We need to set our resolve to be hard like flint. And so you need to start asking yourself this year, when it comes to your Christianity, what happens when you strike flint? And there's a good picture for it right there. What happens when you strike flint? Actually, that's a sparkler. You didn't know that, Dallas. So, but it looks good, doesn't it? It's actually a sparkler. It's really cool. You can't see the rod behind it, but if you were to strike flint with some iron, you're going to get some very similar sparks to that. And so, Jesus had set his face. And you need to understand the context of it. It was set like concrete. But if you go back in Isaiah, it's set hard like flint. And no one could change him. No one could redirect him. No one could bring him onto another path. Why? Because his face was set like flint. And what happens when you strike that flint? You get sparks. It's like a cigarette lighter. You get sparks. And so, let's start with a couple of New Year's resolutions this morning. Number one. You need to get a little sparky in your Christianity. Let me explain. Let me explain quickly now. It is the year 2021. And I believe with all of my heart. Now listen to me, church. Come in close if you can't hear me. Which I know is impossible to Robert Snatter me. Amen? Because your pastor's really loud. And so what you need to do, though, is get sparky in your Christianity. In the year 2021, you're going to find it's going to get a little bit harder to be a Christian. It's going to be a little bit more of your resolve because... The world is already casting down eyes on you. They're already casting judgments on you. They're already trying to figure out a way to get you out. They've been doing this for years. Did you know that? They've taken the Ten Commandments out of school. They've taken prayer out of everything we do. And they're doing their best to get God out of everything. You've got to get a little sparky in your Christianity. You've got to start making a little spark somewhere. And let me tell you something. You've got to be hard as flint because the world is as hard as iron. Somebody say amen. And when they reach out and strike you, you've got to be able to take it full force. And you know what's better? When you can give back a little spark. Amen. I like it when a Christian is sparky in their faith. I like it when they're sparky for a couple of reasons. Number one is because when you hit something that creates sparks, you're less likely to hit it again. Somebody say amen. You know what else happens when you spark? You tend to ignite other people who've been out for years. It's time for the church to get a little spark in their witnessing, a little spark in their Christianity, a little spark in their relationship with God. Because there's a lot of people who've been out for years. And it's time for us to get that spark back in there. 
Get sparky in your Christianity. Get sparky in your relationship with God. Get sparky in your family. When you are God's kind of Christian, when you are the Christian Jesus asked you to be, you're going to find out that you're going to set your face like flint. It's going to be hard to be a Christian in the year 2021. It's going to be hard. You know what the world thinks a Christian is? Somebody who acts good all the time and believes in God. The Bible says a Christian is somebody who has repented of their sins and put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the only way, the only truth, the only life that ever gets you to heaven. The world says, well, there's many other paths. The Bible says there's only one path, Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to get sparky about that. It's time for us to make some light, if you will, in a world of darkness. It's time for us to be as hard as flint when the world hits us with its iron. It's time for us to be sparky in our Christianity. It's time for us to stand up and it's time for us to say, listen up, when you hit us, we make sparks. When you hit us, we ignite other people. Did you ever see that in the Bible? When persecution happens to certain churches, they spread out and made more churches. Why? Because the sparks got everybody else on fire. Amen or oh me? Are you one of those that have been put out for years? Have you been sitting there waiting for a spark to come into your life? Well, let me tell you something. Here's your spark right now. Catch the passion of the gospel. Amen. Get sparky in your Christianity. What about number two here? We need to get a little sparky in our witnessing. A little sparky in our witnessing. We're afraid to witness. How many people sit there and say, well, I use lifestyle evangelism, John. And how many people have ever come up to you and say, I really admire your lifestyle. Why are you so different? None. None. You know why? Because we're in a day and age of something called social distancing. Do you know why social distancing here? And I know you'll be the first to say to keep Corona away from us. But I want you to know that spiritually it's to keep you from sharing the gospel. You need to share the gospel with everybody you meet. You've got to get sparky with it. You can come up with creative ways to share the gospel six feet away from somebody. You've got to be really sparky to get somebody else on fire. You've got to get a little sparky in your Christianity. You've got to get sparky in your witnessing. Let me give you some examples. Number one. When's the last time you witnessed to a Muslim? When's the last time you witnessed to a Muslim? In fact, when's the last time you've seen on TV that a Muslim is in trouble for saying, I won't perform a homosexual wedding? When's the last time you've seen a Muslim in trouble saying, we won't provide services to a homosexual couple? But you see that happen to Christians all the time. Why? Because we're not sparky enough. If we stood up and say, this is what we believe, and we will believe it all the way to jail, we'll believe it to wherever you can take us, we're going to keep on sparking wherever we go, and I'm going to keep on preaching wherever you take me, because I'm sparky in my witnessing. And you know what? The world will tend to leave us a little bit alone. We need to get a little bit sparky. We need to get sparky in everything we do. We need to get sparky in our witnessing. We need to get sparky in our Christianity. And it starts when you decide that you're going to set your face. You're going to determine your face. And that should be your New Year's resolution this year. I'm going to determine myself to be the Christian God has called me to be. But what has God called you to do? How many of us have made that call years and years and years ago? We've surrendered to it, and we've done nothing for it. And we keep waiting. God, one of these days you're going to tell me exactly what to do. Church, He already has. He's told you to share the gospel with this entire world. He's told you to bring the gospel to that Muslim in 7-Eleven you've been avoiding for years. They're scary, aren't they? Aren't they? You know what? I used to think that way. So I became a chaplain in the prison. 
And as a chaplain inside the prison, I got to witness the Wiccan, the Muslim, the homosexuals, the vegans, you name it. I got to witness to every single one of them. And you know what, church? Not a one ever got angry at me. And they said, I wish more Christians would share their faith. And you know what? We need to do that as well. You know what? We've allowed the world to intimidate us. We've allowed the world to take away our spot. We're afraid of what the government might say to us. Have you not read the New Testament? It is full of the government saying you can't be a Christian here. That's our job. Get sparky with that. Take a look at our number three here, quickly. Our third one here. Get sparky in our family. When's the last time you've been sparky in your family with your Christianity? That may be the hardest one of all, isn't it? It's easy to pass a gospel tract to the person behind the counter at 7-Eleven, but it's hard to give a gospel tract to your sister-in-law, isn't it? I saw some amens out there. Well, I guess that means amen in the baptism. You have to say it because your sister-in-law may be sitting right next to you. So I guess get sparky with it in your family. Get sparky with it in your family. That is the hardest thing in the world. I want to share with you something very personal. I remember when I put Jesus in my heart. I remember when I got saved. I remember when I walked down that aisle and put Jesus in my heart. My life changed instantly, dramatically, instantly. Felt like I had a whole new life, and I did. I was born again. Felt like I had a whole new purpose and a whole new reason to keep living. I had a whole new way of thinking. And it oftentimes came at odds with the way family thought. It did. No, stuck with it. But I kept on sparking, even though there was friction sometimes. It would strike that flinch. And then one day, one of my brothers got up and came down that aisle and said, I want what you have, Jesus Christ. And then next week, another brother came. And before you know it, my whole family is in God's kingdom. It's time to get sparky in your family. It's time to stick with it. It's time to set your face like Jesus did. And so many of us often think about our New Year's resolution. We also think about what it means to resolve to do something. Well, when you resolve, you end up doing it on your own power, don't you? And you know what happens on your own power? <laughs> Nothing or you do well for a couple of weeks and then it dies out, doesn't it? Or it dies out. You know what you've got to do? You've got to end up trusting in Jesus Christ. Because you can't do anything on your own power. It tells us in John 15, verse 5, that ye are the branches because he is the vine. If you remain in him, and he in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from him, you can do nothing. Let's take a look at verse 54 and verse 56 again. 54 through 56. I want to show you something neat here. And when the disciples, James and John, verse 54 here of Luke, Chapter 9 here, when these disciples James John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Now, I'm one of those guys that love to ask questions, especially about the Bible. And so I got to thinking one day, well, if Jesus set his face like flint, and they were striking it, and there were some sparks there, then it's only natural that James and John would say, Lord, do you want us to ask for some fire? That's not at all what he's talking about. That's not what he's getting into this morning. <laughs> what is happening here? Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? 
Do you understand that that's in our context? Elijah's on Mount Carmel. He has just been in a contest with the prophet and he's had a contest. And one of the one of the contest rules, if you will, was that the true God answered by fire. Not only did God answer by fire, not only did Yahweh, not only did the God of Israel answer by fire, he also consumed the prophets of Baal by fire. And that's what James and John are asking here. And here's the reason why. Jesus goes into a village in Samaria. Now, we've read that before. If you go back and read the preceding verses before 54, Jesus is in a village in Samaria. And the Bible says they do not receive him. Take a look with me again. Because the saints are set to go to Jerusalem. You have the King James Version that actually says they do not receive him because the saints were set as it was to go to Jerusalem. Okay? That makes James and John a little angry. Why are they angry? And the truth is because they've taken their eyes off of Jesus and put them on Samaritan. And most of us are just like James and John. We oftentimes take our eyes off of Jesus and we put them on people who make us afraid. We put them on Muslims and Wiccans and vampires and the boogeyman and we get afraid. Well, really, our eyes are supposed to be on Jesus everywhere we go. And what's funny to me is the Bible says that Jesus is not willing to stay. In fact, he's on his way to his passion. Do you know what that means? He's on his way to his passion. If you're reading, so he's on his way to be received up. He knows the end is near. He knows what's about to happen. And he has set his face determined to be there. And that's what brought this sermon on this morning. That thought that I had. He was determined to go to the cross. Determined, passionate. And we need that passion in our Christianity. We need that passion in our Christianity again. We need that passion in our families again. Amen. We need that devotion to Jesus Christ. The problem is that we've taken our eyes off of Jesus and we put them on the Samaritans. And then we turn around to God and say, Do you want us to destroy them? Wrong. Wrong. You understand why Jesus rebukes them now, too? Look at what Jesus said. He turned, verse 65, and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And the Bible says they went to another village. Perhaps this village was a little less menacing. Perhaps the guys weren't quite so big. Perhaps they weren't quite so mean and tough-looking. I'm reminded of the spies as they gathered around Moses and Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies said, we are grasshoppers in this spot. And Joshua and Caleb say, what? We are more than able to overcome. The Bible says they go on to another village here. So what are we talking about? What's happening here? about Jesus and his face set and determined like flint. And when you strike flint, you get sparked. And it's time for Christians to get a little sparky in everything they do. When the world strikes us, we don't need to be, Lord, kill them. We don't need to be, Lord, destroy them. We don't need to be, Lord, 
fix his red wagon. No, no, no. We need to be, Lord, help me to be sparky. And when we talk about sparky, we're not talking about causing fires in somebody else's life. We're talking about setting fire to other Christian faith. Somebody say amen this morning. We're talking about setting fire to those that have been dead in their faith for years and years and years. How many of you know this spiritual truth that if a Christian who's not witnessing watches a Christian who does witness, that it is nine times out of ten that Christian who does not witness will join in and witness with you. Why? Because they will catch your passion. And Jesus was full of that passion. The Bible tells us his faith was set to go there. He knew what was going to happen. And so I want you now to put in your mind's eye the cross. Jesus knew what was coming. It wasn't a surprise. He knew this. He knew this. And he was set, steadfast, like flint, to go there. Nothing was going to break that. He was going to go there. There were set times he did that. The cross. You ever sat there thinking about what it must have been like? know where you're going and where you're headed and to be determined about that. You think about what Jesus went through, the beating, the cat of nine tails, the flagellums. You know what that is? What he went through? That's what it sewed into the leather, bones, glass, teeth, and nails that would catch onto the skin and rip it off. Now, Jews, when they flag somebody, they always stopped at 39, because they would never go over 40, but not Romans. In fact, it was common for them to quit counting. And say, that's close enough. After a good 80 or 90 whack. The Bible tells us, if you'll read deeply, he's beaten to a point where he cannot be recognized. And that's what he had his faith steadfast set to go to. That was his passion. Why? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but save them. That was his passion. When I was young, my passion was my mom. Could you imagine? Every child who gets hurt reaches out for their mother. Every child reaches out and says, Mama, hold me. Jesus, when he was hurt, Jesus, when he'd been beat like that, reached out for the cross. Why? Because he came to save us. Could you imagine that? As he crawled to the cross after that beating. Could you imagine that? Crawled to it, embraced it, held on to it because it was his passion. Because could you imagine that? Behold the cross. And Jesus saw it and knew that was his destiny. Why? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he's here to save you. He could save marriage, amen? He could save alcoholics. He could save a drug addict. He could save a liar. Fire from heaven was sent. But we know the attitude wasn't right. The attitude was wrong. And these wives they had taken their eyes off of Jesus. And they began to behold the Samaritans. You know what's funny is they misinterpreted the Samaritans. The Samaritans don't receive him because they know Jesus has a passion. 
passion to be somewhere else. <laughs> and the disciples are like, Lord, you want us to kill him? You ever sound like a Baptist prayer to you? You ever did that before? God, he hurt my feelings. Kill him. Funny, isn't it? But some of us have actually done that. And that's exactly what James and John said there. Lord, get revenge for me. Lord, make it even. Lord, do you need me to defend you? Can I tell you a spiritual truth? God doesn't need us to defend anything. He can use a donkey. He can use a cloud. He can use a short, fat preacher. Amen. He doesn't need anybody to defend him. He speaks all his own and he declares the glory of his handiwork day by day. His mercies are new every morning. And they took their eyes off of him. They lost that attitude. They also lost that right spirit. You need to take your eyes off of Jesus. You lose the right spirit. Oh, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit leaves you. They lost the spirit. You know what the spirit that was? The spirit of worship, the spirit of truth, the spirit of, of being right with Jesus. They lost it. And the right heart, and I love what Jesus says. He said, you don't know what spirit they're in. I don't want to know what spirit they were in. But the truth is, we've all been there before. They didn't have the right heart. Now, if you were to put normalcy aside, the year 2020 was a year like no other. It was marked by pandemics, masking, lockdown, destruction of businesses, election fraud, false impeachment proceedings, rioting, looting, defunding police, chop zones, mass vaccinations, media censorship, demonstrations, rallies, scandals, resignations, and more. The stage setting for a brave new world sure seems to be happening quickly, doesn't it? Some are even calling it the greatest reset ever. The Bible talks about a time at the end where the world comes under the domination of a world leader who insists that mankind take a mark without which they cannot buy or sell. This world leader will bring the world under his power, controlling religion, politics, and culture. Certainly, there's been no other time in history where this could actually become a reality. Knowing that, some monumental changes could be on the horizon. Now, more than ever, we need to examine our priorities. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to make sure our eyes are on Him. We need to pray for our nation so the gospel can have free course, commit to reading and heeding God's Word, serve the Lord with a whole heart, clean out the leaven in our lives, and reach out to the lost and needy around us, and keep close fellowship with the Lord. No matter what 2021 brings, we can face it with peace and confidence knowing we're walking in lockstep with the Lord. Perhaps you're one of those this morning who says, Brother Josh, I need to get my relationship with Jesus right. I am a Christian. But I've been in sin, and I haven't been living right. Well, God, forgive me. And you know what the answer is? Yes. Will you come down the aisle today and repent? Perhaps you say, Brother Josh, I'm not a Christian. And you talk about Jesus' passion being the cross to save men's lives. I know I need to get saved. Would you be willing to come this morning and put Jesus in your heart? But perhaps one of those of you are a Christian and you're right with Jesus, but Jesus is calling you to be a member of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Would you be willing to come and make Robertson Avenue your church fellowship? Whatever it is, 
Perhaps God is calling you to the ministry. Perhaps God is calling you to witness to your neighbor and you want to pray about it. Perhaps God is calling you to witness to that guy in 7-Eleven. Would you let today be the day? Would you let that be your resolution? Would you set your faith this morning? We're going to close in a word of prayer. And after we pray, because Robert's going to sing. And while we're singing, if you spoke to you, would you come and make your decision now? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is powerful. It's quick. It's truth, Lord, and it's structure when you need to hear it. And I pray, Lord, right now, your word will cut into our hearts and into our lives. That if there be anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anyone, Father God, who needs to get their heart right with you or their walk right with you, would you let today be that day? We give you the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. What's up?